Hello listeners, I'm Jacob Levan, director of the Shellavision podcast. I'd like to take a moment to explain what the show is going to be all about. This podcast is being made by the Roxana Gaming and Esports Club. Every other week, either myself or another one of our hosts will sit down with different members of the gaming club or different Roxana students for what we call an open table discussion to discuss news and controversial issues not only in the gaming world, but pop culture as a whole. The weeks where we won't be doing an open table discussion, we'll have a discussion, debate, or interview with different Roxana staffs and some other special guests. All of this is very experimental, though, and we ask that you stick with us as we find out what you, the audience, likes and what we want to do internally. This podcast isn't limited to the gaming club exclusively. That's why it's the Shellavision podcast. We want this to be the voice of Roxana. Over time, we hope to expand the show into multiple clubs and have many different students participating in its production. We need all the feedback we can get. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Are single-player games dead? Are there too many battle royales? And what does this mean for those of us without friends? Welcome to the Shellavision Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Levan. Uh, this is episode one. Here today I have one of our wonderful founders of the Roxana Gaming Club and captain of our one of our Rocket League teams, Caleb Sutton. Hello. Favorite games, Rocket League, in case you couldn't tell. Also with us, we have Rocket League players Colin Rory. Hi. Favorite game, Rocket League. And Quentin Estrada. Uh, hello, my favorite games would be Rocket League and Overwatch, mostly because they are the games I play the most. Alright, so today we have a good show for you. Um, so, big question here today is, why are companies moving away from the single player experience? Why are there not that many single player games around anymore? Uh, any inputs on that? A lot of the time, people enjoy social interaction. Like we are, like humans are a social species, so I feel like the multiplayer experience kind of kind of allows you to like play with your friends or play with people that aren't your friends that may become your friends, make meet new people, make new connections, instead of just going on an adventure, which I know a lot of people would rather do, but I feel like we need to kind of monopolize. Yeah, it I feel like right now, like uh, VR chat's a really popular thing because of the random people you get to meet on there. So it's probably the way gaming has started to orientate itself. People are finding out that multiplayer games are widely more popular because of the more random encounters you get to meet, and it probably is easier for them given they don't have to come up with this uh, complex storyline of what's going to happen when and uh, how does this tie to this and whatnot. Just storylines of games doesn't have to be as complex with multiplayer games. Yeah, I, I think the, the storylines are great for a lot of people. Like, I yeah. would prefer to play a game with a very broad storyline. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I like a good story game, but I feel like a lot of people just want to hang out with people and t- meet new people and find friends, so they go on to multiplayer games, and so companies are just ca- ca- kind of capitalizing on it and just uh, seeing that people would really like to play these uh, multiplayer games. I think that's a lot of the reason why Battle Royales are so popular is because you get to see a lot of people and meet a lot of people within the games, even though I would disagree because I don't like Battle Royales, but it's okay. Okay, so I'm, I'm a big single player guy. I'm not really big into multiplayer. So when I see these companies um, switching from 
these franchises that have always been multi, or they've always had the single player campaigns, and maybe they have um, a multiplayer just added on, kind of as an extra thing. That's it's really disheartening to me mm-hmm. because I want a fully fledged single player game, and then a multiplayer on the side if I want to play it. I want to be able to have this game to myself, and right. then share it with my friends if I want to share it. And a big a big example of that was Fallout 76. I'm I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Fallout fan, but I play I played all the games. I own all the games. But when Fallout 76 came out, I was I was excited because I was like, okay, I get to have all these Fallout experiences, but with my friends. But then I actually get into it, and the only thing in it is other people, and there's no storytelling, and that really throws me off because I play those games for the story, and I just want to experience the story with other people. Yeah, um, I I haven't gotten to like see much about Fallout. I, I've heard I heard it was going to be a multiplayer game, but uh, I didn't know much about uh, about it beyond that. So I feel like yeah, it. it does I, I get what you're saying? Like uh, it going from a single player story to a multiplayer sandbox-ish style or survival style kind of game does yeah it, it is a drastic difference. And if they I, I guess they probably should have maybe started the multiplayer like eased into it with maybe a uh, multiplayer story where you get to go through a small little story. Maybe it doesn't have to be that complex. So you, there's freedom between your choices, and that way you can do kind of whatever you want but at the same time you get to experience the story with your friends but it's like limited to maybe like four since that's a mm-hmm. tip- this is a typical multiplayer experience. yeah i felt like they missed the the mark where they could have made it just a co-op fallout game and mm-hmm. i would have been i would have been on board with that if they would have made the story good but the problem is that they pretty much cut out the story and that's what i feel like that's where it gets a lot of the hate is because not because it's necessarily a bad game gameplay wise but when you cut out the the rp in an rpg <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really work out very well so i've never actually played the game but i've watched a lot of videos like about it and about how bethesda has been like treating you know their players or whatever and like from what like are there like any quests in the game or is it just like no story there's at all? there's quests but um most of the quests just consist of oh you found a note on a dead body and it says, go and look for this one person. And you go find that one person, but the one person's dead. So they're, they're not not even NPCs. There's no NPCs. But they, they do a really weird thing with it. It's not NPCs, but they have robots. And they say, oh, the only humans you'll encounter are uh, other players. But then you run into a robot. And that could have just been an NPC that gives you the same quests, or you like interact. You interact with it the same way it's an NPC, but it's a robot, and it, it takes out the part of the game that you really like, which is like how well it's post-apocalyptic. So it's how humans adapt, and when you have these other players that just run around and mess with people. Or yeah. Like, how can I like for players who don't care about it and just want to mess around? It's like how can I mess around with people in a post-apocalyptic setting. Yeah. Like, I feel like that just has to do with the toxicity of gaming nowadays. Like, a lot of people just, they, they just go around and screw with other people's gaming because there are so many multiplayer mm. games. You see that even in games where it's not just necessarily open world, but even in games like Rocket League, you know, people go around and they screw with people. They, they say, I'm deranking. I had that experience yesterday where somebody just goofed around and scored their, on our own goal the entire game. So it, 
it just multiplayer games just get so lost in mm -hmm. all of this because people just take advantage of their people in them and mm -hmm. there's no storyline to go along with it so i feel like creators have just missed that and a lot more people are upset about it than they would have thought like mm -hmm. you know there was a huge outbreak and outlash about you know fallout 76 and i don't think bethesda thought that that would happen but then it did and they're like oh shoot whoa <laughs> and they're like we thought this was a good game and everyone's like well we don't so if you <laughs> yeah, they just yeah. missed that mark entirely so i think the main issue here like with fallout 76 like with there being quests that oh go find this note go find this person oh the person's dead like when you don't have npcs to interact with and when you don't have like quests to do there's no story so what's the point of what's the playing? point of playing like, what's the point of playing what is the point of like, ha like, is it entertaining just kind of wandering around, doing whatever, there's really no end goal. Like, I can understand people, like, make their own goals and, like, get to a certain point, but then what happens after you reach that point? Mm -hmm. There's no story, there's no yeah. extra, like, spice on top yeah, of it. I, yeah. I think that Bethesda wanted to jump on the, oh, hey, multiplayer games are getting really popular, but they didn't realize that this does take out the story that everyone loves so much about it, and... At the same time, making it a massive multiplayer game leads to your obvious trolls that are going to be there along and ruin kind of the experience for everyone else, whether they might be new or they might be uh, veterans of this game, and it, it kind of just ruins it for anyone who wants to play the game and enjoy it when they kind of just troll around. There are a lot of games that actually like manage to do the whole big multiplayer thing like decently, like World of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. Like, they had mm -hmm. a quest system, they have raids, they have all these, these things that you can do, and it's also massively multiplayer. It's funny, because, um, not Bethesda, but their parent company, ZeniMax, they have the Elder Scrolls Online, and that's a good game, and the Elder Scrolls games were Bethesda games, but when, <laughs> when Bethesda <laughs> wants to make a multiplayer game... They ship it off to a different company. And they, they can't give it to the people who made the good game. That yeah. And then the people who do make the good games can't make a good multiplayer yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so another good example of companies that just kind of dropped out of the whole single player thing, Activision dropped the single player story from Black Ops 4. They replaced it with a battle royale. Yeah. Yeah. I... I I would have to say um, a lot that drew me into, uh, especially like the older Call of Duty games, was it was always the story. I didn't really care for the multiplayer, even though you know, like Black Ops Three, like multiplayer was kind of fun for messing around with your friends. But the whole point that I saw in playing COD, especially in like Black Ops One and and uh, Modern Warfare Three, which was two of my big ones, um, I I loved the story. The story drew me in. You know, when somebody died, I was like dang, I just lost a friend. Like, mm -hmm. that that's part of the thing that was so intriguing to me as an early gamer was getting to be involved in these stories where you're, like, taken out of reality for a bit and you're shifted into an alternate reality where you're, you know, you, you kind of get into the character that you are. And in multiplayer, you just don't get that. You don't get to feel like, oh, I'm this person, I have this objective. You just kind of mainly go around shooting everybody. And a lot <laughs> of the battle royales, especially, like, Fortnite and... Um, um, so, going on with the whole story thing in uh, Call of Duty is, so, Call of Duty Ghosts. I didn't like the multiplayer, but I really liked the campaign. Mm. The, the campaigns were always I, good. I really liked the story that it had, and, like, right when I finished, I'm like, well, now I'm cliffhangered. I want to go, <laughs> go Ghost 2 now, but I'm not, that's not going to happen for a while. And since it, you know, didn't do very good, I doubt it's even going to happen at all. Yeah, well, I... 
I've heard I've heard talks about a Modern Warfare four. That's something. <laughs> it might be might yeah, be a thing. Games like Call of Duty Modern Warfare I haven't played a lot of, but I do yeah, I do remember when I did play them, I really did enjoy the story and I I forget his name, but there I remember there was one guy uh, who would always have the worst luck and he was like my favorite guy because he would have the worst luck on his missions. <laughs> just that, that story aspect of having stuff like that is probably what drew in most of the people who play those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you look at games like uh, Halo, for example, like the the multiplayer is not even a lot of why people go, in, go into that game. It's it's always because of the story. Like yeah. everyone, that storyline's so developed. It, if um, they just dropped it, it would be a huge blow to every gamer that loves Halo. Like yeah. I used to love Halo, and it was a great storyline. You know. Master Chief and Cortana, it was always what drew me into the game. So I feel like when you just drop the story of a game, not even when you're just making a multiplayer game like PUBG, you know, that was a multiplayer game from the start that never had a story. So that reached out to a different branch of gamers. But when you're going to take something like Call of Duty and just drop the story entirely, you're losing like half the people that play your game. Yeah, yeah. It, almost, it almost seems like sacrilegious. Like imagine if Halo Infinite is going to be Halo Infinite, the Battle Royale. <laughs> it's yeah. Nobody be, would play the game. Yeah, nobody would play it. I mean, but people would, just not, they as, would. not as many. I would yeah. probably play it because I like Halo. But um, I, I love uh, Halo Reach for the, its story. Oh, it's mm-hmm. probably my yeah. favorite because it of definitely. its story. Its story's and really the, good, and, and its multiplayer is so good, yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> and um, the ability to customize your suit. Uh, I mean, it was a very small thing, mm-hmm. um, but that ability to do that, the ability to make your own character kind of deal um, to really kind of make your own suit and kind of put yourself in that story just was really cool and getting to see how that whole story went down and how you technically had a part in it was Mm -hmm. was really nice. Like bringing up Halo Reach, like um, that game just, it kind of brought together everything. Like, you know, you were your own person and you identified with that person in that game. Like. Um, I remember when Cat died. You know, it was oh, so yeah. upsetting. Like, I was, that hurt me. Yeah, I was so mad. Because I was at so that. involved in the story already uh-huh. that when you just like sometimes you know someone's gonna die, but it still hurts just because the story is yeah, so the, good uh, and well developed. The death of George, like you kind of you might have guessed that that was about to come, and it was sad. But then when Cat just suddenly dies, uh, no spoilers, but when she had suddenly died, spoilers ish. It's an old one. Um, <laughs> yeah, but. You know, Nobody got time. It's, it, it's yeah. been nine years. So another thing. Um, so this. Okay. So have any of you played Destiny and Destiny Two? I um, kind of got. I, I've played a little one. bit, but. Um, so. Yeah. I bought Destiny. No okay. Play. So basically, you, you guys know like what it's about. Like mm-hmm. so basically, the lore <laughs> gets super in depth. Like it's not like in the game necessarily, but like I remember in Destiny One they had these like grimoire cards, where you would like collect the lore in the game, and then mm-hmm. if you went to the Bungie website, you could read. And it's like this super multiplayer thing. It has its own story, but it also has like an expanded story to it. And then I remember uh, when, like in Destiny 2, uh, they killed uh, one of the, the fan favorite characters. And like this was like a really good and bad thing for them because I feel like they were kind of using him as a crutch because he was like the only like developed character. He was the only mm-hmm. character that actually had like a, like a personality to him and the other ones were just kind of there. And then killing him off kind of like opened some growth for the other characters. Yeah. And so it was like, oh, they were all friends, even though they like treated each other this certain way. Mm-hmm. They were, were all friends, and now they can all grow from it. And yeah, I just feel like even in a multiplayer game, you can have a good story. Like you can have a good single player yeah. too, because I know a lot of the quests in, in Destiny are single player. 
like there's like there's like the single player, the multiplayer, and then I feel like there's this like this kind of crossfade mm-hmm. where you can have good of both. Yeah, I feel like that is a possibility, but just people uh, or developers just get kind of lazy with trying to figure out how to implement both. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing, but I mean, I feel like they fall short of what it could be. Mm-hmm. I feel like the death of a character, especially one that you like in a story, it it helps the story along so much. And it like it, it's a sad thing. Like you're upset that it happened, but like it, it I know you. when I've seen in a lot of games where I loved a character and they died, it it added so much to the story. Undertale. Yes. True. That is the only yes. word I have to say. And <laughs> if unless you've been living under a rock for like the last five years, you understand what I'm talking about. Flowey. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. So you have these companies that are switching to pretty much exclusively multiplayer games like Activision. Who picks up the slack? You have these indie companies that come in. The indie scene for single player games is just this rich thing like Undertale. Undertale. Undertale's a big good example. Deltarune, which is the sequel to Undertale. Mm-hmm. Um and you, you get to have these experiences that you wouldn't be able to have if they're really by a big company. Sure, EA has, what, their Unravel, Yarny, whatever. Um, oh, yeah. But <laughs> you have game. something like Cuphead, which takes five years to make. Or, um, <laughs> you have these small developers, like, um, I know Munfish is making this game called Atomic Heart, which pretty much everybody has described as it's Fallout, but in Russia. <laughs> and it's going to be... I feel like that's going to be a really cool game if they do it right. And I feel like that's pretty much exclusively made to fill the spot that Fallout has left with Fallout 76. And then we have um, Obsidian's Outer Worlds. Obsidian, not an independent developer. They're getting bought out by Microsoft. But they're the company who made uh, Fallout New Vegas, and they made the original Fallouts. So you get to have this giant open world and this fully fleshed out RPG, hopefully, hopefully, don't don't get too much on the hype train, but like, um, it's just what Fallout 76 is missing. I, I know we've been talking about Fallout 76 a lot, but I feel like if you can have an open world, you can have this deep story, and then you incorporate multiplayer into it, then that's good. Or if you even... You make the game, you make the single player, then you have a multiplayer like on the same map. Like if they would have made Fallout 76, Fallout 4 uh, multiplayer, like you're still in Boston, but you're playing with other people. Completely different story, something like that. That would have worked out. Monster Hunter. Uh, Monster Hunter does that, I think, really well. Monster Hunter uh, World uh, has a storyline to it. Um, so you can play that story and do the things in it and have fun killing gigantic dragons and monsters on your own, or you can actually join a party and do the same thing. So it, it's a multiplayer game. It's it's not massively multiplayer um, because there, there are limitations. You can only have like four people in a party when you go play on the certain mission. All right, so enough about multiplayer. Let's talk about single player a little more. Ah. Um, so are the single-player games we have now deep enough, or are they just the company's attempt to put in a game before you have another multiplayer game? <laughs> like, um, Red Dead 2, great game, great open world, but
but then you get into the missions and if you go a certain path on a mission you can't you get kicked out or like um if you try to take a different route if you try to be stealthy the game goes no you can't do that you have to do it the way we want you to do it and i feel like something like that should be more open for the player for yeah i mean stuff like that it it seems what it sounds like is just they either didn't know how to kind of implement a system that would recognize your what you're trying to approach um or they did just want you to follow a story that has a certain path and if uh it wants you to do that i feel like they could have probably made it to where they hinted at the or gave you a hint that uh this is your path, and uh, you can't really go anywhere. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> we'll show you all this cool scenery, but, I mean, you're following a story, so I, this is your kind of not open-world area. I can see that, but it's it's weird because they have that open world, yeah, and when you're yeah, when it. you're not in a mission, it's like, go out, explore, find all these things, uh, and then when you're actually in a mission, you're, you're like, you have to go here exactly this yeah. way if you go any other way. And it doesn't really yeah. mesh very well. I would say I feel like uh, if they wanted to do something like that, they should have had it either close world or done something to where um, they uh, had it to where like it, it's a thing on your map. So it, it's not <laughs> like it's not a time thing to where you can still kind of go this route but go there and it, uh, do it in a sense to where even if you want to take the stealthy approach, they alter the story in a way to where you might still think you're doing something stealthy, but it. Behind the scenes, it's really just the same way. It's the you same just, story, yeah. It's the yeah. same story, yeah. but it, it makes you feel good that you got to do that stealthy thing. <laughs> and I feel like like whenever you limit players, especially in like a, like a single-player circumstance, it sort of breaks the immersion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. whenever you're yeah. playing a single-player game, you're trying to like project your... like You're not really trying to, but you subconsciously project yourself onto the character. Like, like they the character sort of becomes you, and you become the character. And like your tendencies like obviously you're controlling the player so like your tendencies obviously go to what the the, the character does mm-hmm. in the game and so like if you're not letting people do the stealthy thing but like they're the type of people that would do that rather than just kick down a door and start rambling <laughs> <pretty> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I, I just feel like like that's I don't feel like that's how a single player game should be mm-hmm. I feel like people should be able to make their own choices be allowed to like have their own morals and like make the make their own decisions and like what do they think is right what do they think that they should do rather than what do the developer think you should do i mean some games like can pull that off very well where you have a controlled story where you know it's taking you to a common objective the entire time like a campaign sort of thing but if we're talking about open worlds like something like just cause like i loved that game especially it's the second one mm-hmm. and it was great because you could do what you wanted and there was missions that you could go all around the map to try and find but you didn't have to do them you could just go fly around a jet or whatever i think that's part of what makes gta so loved by so many people but then like in just cause 3 i was super excited about the game i mean caleb knows that i wanted the game for <laughs> forever finally when i did end up being able to play the game I got into it, and the open world was still great, but then the story was missing so much. Oh, yeah. The the story was just... It, it didn't immerse me at all. Like, it was just so... I couldn't follow the character because it just... It missed that... Like, Just Cause 2 had that grounded story that you knew what you were trying to do the entire time, 
But then this one is like, it had you following a pipe for like 10 stories. Oh, you were yeah. just that constantly doing the same thing over and over again. It was like, how long did it take you to make that? Like five <laughs> minutes? Like, there was just no depth to the story at all. So I feel like there needs to be a balance between open world and also having a great story. I feel like you need to have that grounded story. Otherwise, you're going to lose people. Like, I haven't played Just Cause 4 yet, but no. I have uh, heard it's not any better. So yeah, I feel like games that um, people really like and that have good stories and allow you to uh, put yourself, really put yourself into the shoes of players is um, the Choose Your Own Adventure games. People really like them because you get to really be like, this is my choice, and uh, it blatantly says, this will affect the way your story goes. So <laughs> you really get to explore a story that is fleshed out to a certain extent um, and you get to have your say in what you do and your actions and choices affect how that story goes and I mean there are I've seen a few limitations on that but I mean it, it is kind of the closest to getting to control the story in a sense like an infamous say of the whole like the karma system where mm -hmm. you do one yeah. thing it gives you bad karma it gives you then you got your good karma well, and I, then there's like these choices you can make throughout the game uh, where it would be like oh this is the good choice this would give you good karma but this is the bad choice it would give you bad karma like do you want to be loved or do you want to be feared yeah see i almost prefer a karma system like that but it's really ambiguous on what's actually the good and choice they, and what's and you, the bad choice. And it's all up to you. Yeah, it's all up yeah. to you. Yeah. Those are and, great. I mean, you could, you could see that with Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, but then you get to Fallout 4, and they limit your uh, dialogue tree so much. You get, instead of maybe seven or eight options you get to choose from to tell somebody, you only get four. There's a good one, a that. bad one, a sarcastic one, and then one where you're like, Pay me. <laughs> that's what. That's always the choices. It's gonna be. I personally hate that. Like how um, games limit what you can say. Like, I feel like there should be a lot more options because there's so many diverse people that are gonna play that game. They're all gonna have different things that they would say in that scenario. So I mean, you can't make like 50 different options for someone to say, but you can't limit it down to like four things. That mm -hmm. just completely takes out the idea of being able to personalize what you want to say. I feel like one thing that might like like a good concept would be like. It starts off as like a very like big variety of different things you could say like, like the, the feel of like whatever like the bad guy the good guy whatever, mm -hmm. and then like as you choose your speaking options it narrows it down to a certain personality that you've given your character. I feel um, like that would be a cool concept. Yeah, I, that that's a great way to do it. But I just feel like no offense to any of the developers out there, but I feel like there are just a lot of developers and groups that are unfortunately just kind of too lazy to figure out how to really properly implement that i mean it, it's not an easy thing so they want to make it a way to where it's still you still have your choices but they're doing it in kind of an easy simple way so i mean let's be honest here the people making these decisions don't really have to do anything they say hey coders do this and yeah, then they give them yeah. some money and then yeah. that's what they're supposed to do <laughs> I, yeah i don't i don't think it's really the fault of the developers i think it's the fault of how the the development cycle really works yeah because it's you just get a bunch of bigwigs going, hey, we need this game now. And you go, okay, the only way we can do this is if we cut corners like that. And um, so I think the reason Fallout 4 really cut down on their dialogue tree is because they moved from a voiceless protagonist that you uh, get to choose, choose your own background pretty much, and then they moved to an actual voice actor 
which I like the voice actor that did it, but it limits the choice so much. And then with the personality of the voice actor, they had to give him some sort of background, and that pretty much cuts out a lot of the RPG elements that you can get, where you make your own character, make their own background in your head, and like experience the world through them. You're now this person, but you get to choose what they look like. <laughs> um, another game that actually did that was, again, Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. Well, it was more Destiny 2. So basically what happened was, Destiny 1, you're completely silent. You didn't say a thing throughout the entire game. But in Destiny 2, the Forsaken DLC, the one where Cade 6 died, or got murdered, more specifically, um, it was the first time that your character ever spoke. And I think I think they put in more dialogue for your character, but I think the only difference is you he doesn't talk that much, or your character doesn't talk that much. Mm-hmm. And... Like, the one line was, like, I forgot the exact line, but it was something about getting revenge on the people that did it to him because, like, fan-favorite character. Like, who's not going to like it? Like, mm-hmm. so it kind of just makes sense that that's what they would say. And the player probably reflected that, too. So it was just kind of a safe bet there. And I don't really know a lot of the other dialogue that they put in, but I know that, that like, the only way that you can really have a voiced protagonist while also trying to completely have player immersion is difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there are. It's all coming down to competition. They want to get these cool games out there, and I feel like whether they mean to do it or not, it's it's competition that really sets these deadlines and makes them kind of either have to cut corners or get lazy and end up cutting corners. So um, let's talk about EA for a second. <laughs> oh <laughs> so, boy. So I, I, this isn't going to take too long, but basically what I just want to say is what some companies are doing is in an effort because they want money. They need to yeah. have money to stay in business. That makes mm-hmm. sense. But there's a certain point where it gets shady. Yeah. <laughs> and EA, I forgot if it was EA, it might be Blizzard, but I know one of the two has a no refund policy. So you can't mm-hmm. even, like, the only way you're going to figure out if a game is good or not before you buy it is by waiting for reviews. But, like, they all have all these pre-orders and special things that yeah. happen if you order the game early, but now it's a bad game and you can't refund it and there's nothing you can do about it and I think that that's really shady but at the same time it's also kind of genius I mean uh, I don't know about all the Blizzard games but I know like games like Overwatch from Blizzard um, they do have occasionally the uh, free weekend thing so there's that so you don't actually have to purchase the game yeah but I'm talking yeah I do do get what you're saying and I I have heard cases about that Um, also along with that EA doing the uh, it was EA, right, that did the whole, you have to pay to get these extra story bits? I think every every company has yeah. this pre-order, like like DLC pre-order stuff that's just kind no, of the Not norm. the DLC, it's like you get to play the game, but you have to pay more money to get certain stories. I, um... Um, sort like, actually, I forget Rock, who it was. Rockstar did something like that. They did, um, pre-order Red Dead Redemption 2, you get two exclusive missions. It's like, why were those why? missions just not in the game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it was with, um, sorry if I'm wrong, but I think it was with Star Wars, where you got the play, and there's this little, there's kind of a story to it, but you have to pay money we're to continue. And yes. Yeah, so um, the thing about Battlefront is uh, pay to win. Yes, and that's, so, <laughs> that's what um, it was. I... Why, why couldn't they just remake the first one? Mm-hmm. The first. Why couldn't they just remake the first Battlefront two? I don't understand why they had to like throw all this stuff in there. Just remake the first Battlefront two. Boom, you're good. Better graphics, <laughs> all you need. Yeah, it's yeah, not hard. I, I remember playing the. I, at least I think I remember. I was really little then. Um, playing the first uh, first Star Wars kind of multiplayer. It, it was just to me really cool because I was, I was so little and I didn't 
completely understand what I was doing, but getting to play as these Star Wars characters was cool. Mm-hmm. And never... then hearing that they have it to where you have to pay to win is kind of, yeah, disheartening, and it seems unfair. You should be able to play the game and have fun and not be limited. DLCs make sense, but this doesn't. Yeah, I, I know that I've never played Battlefront personally. I've heard it's a really good game, the first one, but then like the, the second one came out and just nobody talked about it. So, I mean, I I didn't even know there was a second one, honestly, because <laughs> oh, it just nobody said anything. But I remember there was so much talk about the first Battlefront. Everyone loved the game. So Did everyone love the game? I don't think so. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people <laughs> No, I think I, I think a lot of people like the premise of the game more than yeah. the, the, the game themselves. Because I think what a lot of like companies are doing is they're like looking... They're like, oh, this is a cool concept. Let's make this into a game. But then the game is really bad, but people still play it because it's the only game with that concept. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like EA right now is the only people that can make Star Wars games because they have the license to do it, and they, like, they did this pay-to-win stuff. Battlefront One from EA was, it was, it was okay. It was meh. <laughs> I mean, I I enjoyed it because I like Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah. But would I recommend someone else buying it? No. Battlefront Two was pay to win. The only reason I even knew about it was because I think there was a couple YouTubers that were talking about how they got like special like beta access at like a certain like convention or something and they got to play a little bit and they talked about it. That's a I think that's a bigger problem too like um, you have these big companies that have these iconic IP and then they take something with it and they just kind of ruin it. You have I hate talking about Fallout so much but you have Fallout 76 you have something like Assassin's Creed Unity. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. And you have these, like, beloved franchises. They mess them up. Can you go back from that? I mean, you can. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people, like, were, like, talk about certain games being like, this, I didn't like this, this, and this about it, and I'm, I'm sad to see that this ended up happening to it, but I feel like there's still hope, basically. Like, <laughs> if they did X, Y, and Z that, like, to me, I don't think what the people are suggesting out there are is that complicated. Like, they're just saying if they did this or brought this back, that it would, it, they, it would be fine and they'd be satisfied with that. Like, it, I feel like with any company, you're going to obviously have your setback and realize, oh, the, we thought this was going to be enjoyed by a lot of people, but it doesn't seem like this case and we're trying to fix it and people will forgive you if you seem to be actually trying to mm-hmm. listen to your fans and community. But that's only if you try, because yeah. see, the <laughs> thing about these companies is that they don't. They they pump out a game, and then they're like, oh yeah, whatever. And then they just kind of brush all the backlash off, and they're like, okay, well, we'll just make another game with the same issues, and then people still buy it, we'll still get money, we don't care. It's, yeah, that's a big problem when you mm-hmm. have these big franchises, and people are like, I, I love this franchise, and then you get an okay game and you shouldn't get okay games out of yeah. a big franchise like that you should get great games every time it's hard to hard to get lightning in a bottle every time but mm-hmm. you could still make good enough games yeah like yeah. The, see the one thing i've noticed is nowadays from like these big AAA companies is that there's a lot more flops mm-hmm. than there used to be like they like there used to be these constant stream like there's just so many good games but most of them are from the past yeah and nowadays you don't see a lot of these like good games come I out. feel like now it's, it's, it's a rush to get that money because of all the competition but back then they were kind of the people who were making these games uh, were like the first of their kind sort of deal so I mean I feel like now it's just uh, they're trying to get the games out there and unfortunately not making the best of what they probably could. So the big takeaway is 
companies listen to your fans. Yeah. Uh, companies make more single players that are good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, even if it costs you more money, I'm I'm willing to bet that if you make a really cool game, people are gonna pay you, more for it. You you have people out there who still want to play single player games. Single player games are one of the main things that mm -hmm. it, a lot of people yeah. want. Like I. Yeah. I would much rather play a single-player game even by myself. Well, I mean, that's the point. But <laughs> I mean, I'd rather play a game by myself that is has a good story that wraps me in the story. It's like reading a book or watching a movie, which a lot of people don't always do nowadays. But, I mean, like the Avengers movie, I mean, I'd rather watch that by myself than with people. I'd, I'd rather do things that are interactive by myself sometimes rather than just always playing a multiplayer game where I have to deal with other people, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? Um, thank you guys for joining me. Yeah. Uh, this has been a good talk. Anytime. Thank you all for listening. Join us next week when we have Philip Tarpley of Jundru Games on. This has been the Shellavision Podcast, Episode 1, signing off.